When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. He's Greg, I'm Nick, and thanks to Athletic Greens, your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right, and betonline.ag, fastest, easiest way to bet on sports for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, Greg, let's jump right into the headlines. There's a lot to talk about before we get to this Bills game and our thoughts on the uh, finishing wraps of the 2022 season. The postseason meeting with Belichick and Kraft, you and I have talked about this over the last several weeks. It is now time because obviously the Patriots are not in the playoffs. What have you heard about this meeting, the the timing, and what's going to actually happen in said meeting? Okay, so this is now, it's um, midday on Tuesday. Um, Because of, you know, film responsibilities and stuff like that, I have not had an opportunity to follow up. But as of about 24 hours ago, What I was told uh, was that it was expected that Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick would meet um, either Monday night or Tuesday morning. It's now Tuesday midday. Uh, I don't know if that meeting uh, has occurred yet. Uh, Both guys are very busy. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if it got pushed off or, or delayed at some point, but they are due to meet. At some point. And what's interesting about it this time, talking to people around the team, is that in years past, when Robert and Jonathan, uh, Robert and, and Jonathan's probably usually involved, but most of the time it's just Robert, when they meet with, when they meet with Bill, um, you know, and it's sort of like a sort of update to ownership type of situation. It's like, you know, this is our general feelings about the season. These are some of the things that we think we need to do to get better and blah, blah, blah. And that's about it. And really, I was a little bit surprised to learn that normally Bill doesn't offer to Robert much more than he does to the media and his sort of season ending availability, which he had Monday, which I'm sure um, we will get to. And I was basically told that that level of update would not be sufficient this year Hmm. that uh, ownership is going into this meeting. Um, They are not happy about where the team is. Not at all. I think it was, um, it it was, it was symbolic. It was certainly an indication that, you know, they sent out a, a very unusual email to season ticket holders uh, almost immediately the morning after the final game. Um, normally those don't come until right before payments are due sort of uh, end of February, beginning of March. And they're really sort of general overview stuff about like, Hey, we're going to do really neat stuff at Gillette this year. We can't wait to have you back. This time it was all about, you know, football operations and, you know, we're, we're going to be making critical decisions about our football operations going forward over the next week, weeks, blah, blah, blah. And so, Look, the crafts are not happy. Um, they're not just sitting idly by, like just waiting for, oh, Bill, you know, what are you going to do? And they want they want to hear a plan. 
They want to hear acknowledgement about why things didn't go well, which we didn't get as a media. We got Bill's sort of lip service about like, you know, it wasn't good enough. Uh, it starts with me, blah, 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 bull crap. You know, no why. Okay, Bill. Yeah, it didn't go well. Why? You know, why? Because of the decisions you made, uh, a variety of them. That's what he should have said. He's going to need to do that with ownership. He's going to need to present some sort of plan about this is how we're going to get better. And he's going to be held accountable to that plan. But I will say that as far as where both sides are going into this meeting, um, you know, it's believed and Belichick said this in the press conference that he wanted to be back for another season. Um, That ownership uh, would like him to be back for another season, but you know, he's going to have to do, he's going to have to give a little bit more than he has in the past or else, you know, if he goes in there and he's very defiant and we've talked about it before, if he's uh, very defensive about what he's done, what he's going to do, um, I, I don't think ownership reacts well to that. And so, you know, everyone thinks this is going to work and go forward, but nobody knows at this point until uh, the meeting concludes. Interesting. I mean, I think it makes sense. I know somebody on Twitter reached out to me and said, you know, oh, Kraft needs to drop the hammer. I don't think either of us thought that Kraft was going to, quote unquote, drop the hammer. No. And just, you know, release Belichick and get rid of him and everybody's starting anew. You know, when you look at this from 30,000 feet, they're 18 and 16 over the last two years. Uh, 2020 was not good with Cam Newton, but you also have to put into all the mitigating circumstances that year with you know, the fact that you had COVID, the fact that you, you had all of those weird changes to the games and, and times and the Kansas City game and and having to play on different days. I think I think Kraft looks at 2020 and says, OK, we'll give you a mulligan there, Bill, because it was just weird. And it was the first year post Brady. The last two years, 18 and 16 is not where anybody wants to be. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here and excusing Belichick. But 18 and 16 is not going to get the greatest NFL head coach fired. It's just not going to happen. Like he needed to absolutely tank this year for that to be on the table. And eight and nine is not tanking. So it makes sense that each side wants to bring this back and see if it can work. We were going to talk about the letter a little bit later, Greg. But since you brought it up just quickly, some people took that as Kraft taking a shot at Belichick. Was that a shot at Belichick? As far as I know from people that I've talked to, uh, that was basically the Crafts saying to their fellow fans, because they are fans first of this team, uh, we hear you. Um, we are vigilant about our role uh, as owners, stewards of this team. We're not happy. And, you know, we're going to make sure this team is going in the right direction. I, I don't think it was a preemptive strike against uh, Belichick. It might be perceived that way just like some of Belichick's comments might be perceived as a shot. And, and could the other side get defensive about it? Yeah, sure. And you need to understand the optics of things, even though your intention might be something else. And, but uh, I don't think that ownership, I think ownership was just telling the fans like, look, we've heard you complaining. We've heard the booze at Gillette. We've seen some, a lot of the empty seats and things like that. We understand the product is not good and we are here. We're on top of it. We're just letting you know that. All right, let's get back to Bill Belichick's press conference from yesterday. Uh, you, you just brought this up a moment ago, Greg. 
it, it was pretty much standard bill. You know, he, he was asked an awful lot and I'll give my guy, Greg Bedard, my man, Greg kept searching <laughs> it and trying to get it out of bill. And I know Curran asked a question or two about the coaching situation and the decisions that were made and Belichick's answer with, with some other words, just kind of mumbled in was typical bill best interest for the football team, best interest, best interest, did it for the football team. Uh, that was not a very good press conference. I don't think for many people watching and, and reading and, and listening to it, Greg, the question is Belichick. We, we kind of expect that from him, even though it would be nice for him to come out and say, Hey, look guys, some of the decisions I made did not work out. We could have gone a different way. We decided to go the way we went. And now we have to get together and kind of figure things out. And if we got to reset, we got to reset. But Belichick in front of the microphone in the media versus Belichick behind closed doors to, to fans and listeners who might be frustrated by the press conference. Like we all were from Belichick in the media. Is there a difference between bill in front of the media and behind closed doors when it comes to the decisions that he made last off season that backfired on the offensive side of the football? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question, Nick, and a good question. And um, I think I would answer it this way. I think that um, uh, I don't think he's very accountable to his football team and to his players, which I think is a problem at times, especially when you're not winning and you're not being productive. And a, uh, an offense that was productive with a bunch of new guys a year ago goes to being basically a laughingstock around the league. And I don't think Bill has taken accountability for that. And, and that's a problem. I think it's caused, um, uh, I, I don't know how to term this dissension in the ranks, but you know, people are disgruntled. That's for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he might not say it to his coaches. He might not say it to his players, but at the end of the day, I know Bill Belichick to be honest and accountable to himself. Um, and, and what I mean by that is Bill's, you know, like we've talked about before, it's my understanding that Bill realizes that he screwed up this offense, that it, it's his fault. He screwed this up. He made the wrong decisions. He was just wrong. It would be wonderful for everybody involved and not just us, but also as players, if Bill would just do that, just say that. Say the words. I mean, that's that was my frustration yesterday, and that's why I gave him another opportunity when I asked him, you know, considering how poor the offensive statistics were across all categories, um, I asked him, do you think you put the the, the offense, the, the team, in the best position to succeed? And I, I laid it there. I, it was a softball question. Yeah. And he could have just said – he just should have said – it's obvious from the results, and as you said, Greg, the statistics speak for themselves, that the decisions that I made as far as the offense in a variety of ways did not work. That is on me. It is my fault. Um, I am going to do everything I can to correct it uh, so that uh, you know our players can succeed, our coaches can succeed. It was my fault. You just could have said that, and everyone would have been like – there you go, Bill. But of course, you know, he didn't do that. But I do think in private, Nick, at the, the bottom line is Bill Belichick, even at, you know, going on 71 years old now, 
he is not so set in his ways that he doesn't think he's infallible. He won't admit it publicly, but to himself, looking in the mirror, looking at the team on film, he realizes what's there. He realizes he screwed this up and he's going to try to figure out a way forward for the football team. Now, you know, is that going to work out? You know, is this going to be good for the Patriots? We're just going to have to see. Uh, But I do think that he's accountable to himself. You just wish he was a little bit accountable to other people. All right, we're going to get to the coaching staff and some of the thoughts and names that are out there. But I actually want to stick with the press conference right now, Greg, since we're talking about that. Because the other part of the press conference that jumped out to me and I think jumped out to a lot of people, aside from the deflection of the coaching staff decisions, was again, Belichick was given the opportunity, Bill was given the opportunity to fully commit to Mac Jones as QB1 of this organization moving forward. And he did not commit to Mac Jones moving forward. What the hell is going on? Yeah, um, I don't have a I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I was disappointed in that. I mean, did I did I think that he was going to be Mac Jones's biggest cheerleader like he was right before training camp started this year? Um, no, considering how this year went, um, I, I think that 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 probably wouldn't be a good thing either. But uh, again, that's another opportunity to say, you know, look, um, Mac and the rest of the offense tried really hard this year. We tried to make it work. It obviously didn't. That's my fault. Um, I don't think that a lot of them should be judged. Uh, you, you, we shouldn't make sweeping judgments about their careers and where they are about what just happened this year. We weren't a good offense. That's that's obvious. But there were a lot of things that went into that, and it starts with me that that I put them in that position. Of course, he didn't say that because Bill, you know, wouldn't take any responsibility, even though he said I'm accountable. It was just lip service. If you want to believe that Bill was really saying that, go ahead. But um, Uh, You know, it's I just think it's I just think it's Bill being Bill um, that, you know, he's Mac and the rest of the offense didn't earn it on the field. He wasn't going to fall in the sword and say it was his fault. And so he just sort of left anybody, everybody in limbo. But I will say this from talking to I've talked to multiple players over the last week or so, um, sort of, you know, talking about end of season stuff and, you know, where the team is and things like that. And and I got to tell you. Um, the support that Mac Jones has in that locker room um, is pretty unanimous and across the board. And I don't think that Bill is doing himself any favors by basically throwing Mac Jones under the bus again. And I can tell you that a lot of players did not like the way Mac Jones was handled this year in regards to the Bailey Zappi thing. I think even Jacoby Meyer said yesterday about, you know, the, the position again, because he talked about it after the fact, uh, but again, reiterated the tough position that Mac Jones was put in. I'd say that's across the board as far as the offense. And certainly some of the defensive guys thought that Mac was done wrong by the Patriots and um, people didn't like that. And they're, they're going to continue not to like how Bill is handling Mac Jones because they believe in him. And uh, you know, Bill's got to rectify that or else it, you know, it it could cause lingering issues. Let me ask you this question about Mac. You're going back to the, the craft meeting that he's going to have with, with Belichick. Maybe it's already happened. We don't know. 
does Kraft get into that much minutiae, that much detail? When, or is he more going to look at coaching staff, big picture, and not say, you know, hey, Bill, what's up with Mac Jones? Does he get that granular, or do, or do you think Kraft looks at it as, no, that's that's definitely in the coach's, you know, wheelhouse. That That's his decision. My beef with the coach and my questions for the coach have to do with, the totality of the offense that we saw. And it's not really good for me to drill down on Belichick on how he handled Mac this season and how he handled Mac with the press conference yesterday. I think that uh, Robert will ask some specific questions if Belichick just doesn't offer them up. Um, I think Robert would ask him something along the lines of, um, you know, why, why are we in such a different place with Mac Jones uh, a year later? You know, we all were we all were encouraged by what we saw as him as a rookie and thought that was something to build on. Obviously, that didn't happen this year. Why do you think that is? And, you know, what are we going to do about it? And, and Bill might just offer that up from the outset and just say, you know, hopefully he realizes. And I know he has said these things to to people. Is he going to offer it up to Robert and just be like, you know, look, I, I F this thing up. Okay. And I put the guys in a bad position. I put Mac in a bad position, but we're going to get it fixed. And this is how we're going to do it. He, hopefully he reads the room because that's what everybody wants to know. That's what ownership wants to know. And he just offers that up. But if he doesn't, I think Robert will uh, ask specific questions about that. And I do think this is one of the ways that this could go sideways. And I was asked on TV last night by Felger and it's sort of where, you know, you and I have been and, you know, for a few weeks now, I mean, going back to the column that I wrote about the Cardinals game, that if they didn't win that game, um, there was a real sense that, 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 uh, that Belichick's um, tenure could come to an end. And that was people thinking, all right, if we don't beat Arizona, we could go Oh, and seven down the stretch, which would have been a, you know, which would have been a disaster. Um, that didn't happen. But I, I think that, you know, if you ask me going into the meeting, am I 100% on Bill Belichick being back? No, I'm not, because it could go sideways. I mean, if Belichick just sits there and just goes, rah, 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 you know, <laughs> get out of my face about my coaching staff and my team and, you know, I won you six Super Bowls and stuff like that, like that's not going to be good for anybody. And the crafts aren't just going to sit there and take it. But I don't think that Bill – Bill reads the room. He understands what's going on. And I think, I think he'll be a little bit more forthcoming than he has in the past about how, how this team gets back on the winning side. All right. Before we get to the coaching staff stuff, because obviously there, there are names out there and people are thinking offensive coaching staff first and foremost, also after what happened on Sunday, certainly special teams, uh, Greg, if you can tell the people about uh, athletic greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. Now I've been on it for six months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It kind of has a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. Now it's part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. I love how it contains less than one gram of sugar, 
no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. So before we get into the coaching stuff and we get into some specific names, just I, I want you to enlighten people about the Rooney rule. And, and everybody thinks Rooney rule, they think head coach and that you have to interview minority candidates, which that is absolutely part of the rule. Unless, as we learned this year, if you're promoting, you know, during the season or you're bringing somebody in during the season like Jeff Saturday, who finished one and seven for the Colts. Uh, then it's a little bit of a different situation. But Greg, the Rooney rule and how it could possibly impact who Belichick might be looking at this offseason. Yeah, so we're always talking about like Belichick and titles and, and you know, he, he doesn't have a defensive coordinator. He doesn't have an offensive coordinator. Of course, of course his only named coordinator is Cam Acord, whose special teams were a complete disaster this season. Um, again, but... Uh, as far as the Rooney rule goes, it was expanded a couple years ago that if you are interviewing for coordinator positions, you have to interview at least one minority candidate. It was expanded last year uh, at the league meetings to include uh, quarterback coaches. Now, my understanding is that Joe Judge was given that title behind the scenes before that came into effect. So the Patriots sort of got around that. But, you know, when it comes time to you know, we talk about titles, you know, is Bill going to just bring in a special consultant or assist offensive assistant or whatever, play games with titles? You know, if he really wants to hire an offensive coordinator, like, you know, Bill O'Brien right now is he's out of his Alabama contract. He's yep. not employed for next year as of right now. You would probably think that he would like to be have an offensive coordinator title, considering he was a, you know, he's a a winning NFL coach, if not like assistant head coach type of deal. And then, and with the pay that comes with that. And if Bill's going to do that, is he going to, it's not that Bill doesn't want to comply with the rooting rule. He has a great history of hiring and promoting minority coaches. Um, but he's always, fr he, he hates dealing with the NFL. These, you know, these mandates from the NFL office. Like, he's just like, go after yourself. Like I've been doing this for 25 years. Like I'm going to, I'm going to put who I want on my coaching staff and you don't tell me what I need to do or whatever. But you know, if, if Bill's going to dick around because he doesn't want to um, deal with the Rooney rule and placate park Avenue, then, you know, is that going to turn off some of the candidates like a Bill O'Brien who would who would want the coordinator role or say like Nick Cayley, if he wanted to promote him? Now, Troy Brown's on staff. They can get around with it by just interviewing Troy Brown as well. But it's just something somebody brought up to me the other day. Also, if you hire a quarterbacks coach, you're going to have to go through that, too. It slows the process. And Bill, he just he's he's kind of a turtle the way he does things, but when he wants to do something, he just wants to get it done. And he doesn't want to have to be held to any sort of um, rule. So it's just part of the mix as far as, 
you know, how things sort of shake out with titles and, and as they go forward with realigning the coaching staff. All right. So let's get into the offensive coordinator position here. Um, just quick one question. I want your percent on this. Okay. I want you to give me mm -hmm. a percentage. Matt Patricia returns as offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots in 2023. Uh, 20%. Thank God. If you said anything above 40, I would have lost my mind. All right. So let's look at, yeah, let's, let's look at the, uh, the people that are out there. Okay. There, there's a lot of names. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to run down a few names and then you take it where you want to take it. You can tell us which one you think is most likely, least likely, whatever. So, Bill O'Brien, you just mentioned, out of his Alabama contract, he's available. Cliff Kingsbury fired by the Arizona Cardinals yesterday on Black Monday. He obviously has a history with Belichick, the Patriots, yada, yada. His name's been brought up. Adam Gase is somebody who Belichick has had conversations with in the past. Uh, he is available. He is out there. That could be a possibility. Chad O'Shea has experience with the Patriots' offensive system. He was the offensive coordinator down in Miami for a year. Um, the players bitched and said that the system was too technical and difficult, so he was let go. He's been coaching uh, Cleveland, I think, the wide receivers or tight ends um, in Cleveland for the last couple of years. Chad O'Shea is available. And finally, a name you just brought up is Nick Cayley, tight ends coach. He was somebody we talked about last offseason about maybe being promoted. Out of those five guys, Greg, just kind of give us the landscape as to – how you feel each one could work or where you think Belichick might be looking first? Um, well, my preference, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure Bill's preference is sort of to stay in the family. I think O'Brien's the leader in the clubhouse. I would hope it would happen. I think that this most recent Bill's game, if you know, some people are tantalized by these other systems and whatnot, specifically Kingsbury, if you look at this Bill's game, the, they ran more of the traditional Patriots under center play action offense in the first half. And that was the best the offense has looked all year. It fits what Mac Jones does. It's why they drafted him. Like, I Can think I just, for a second, because yep. I just, I, I just want to highlight this, that Greg and others, uh, this podcast, we've been saying all year long mm -hmm. that it would be better to run the system that Mac is better in under center, more play action. And they do it on Sunday, final game of the year, and Mac looks the way he looked, and the offense looks the way that it looked um, compared to the rest of the season. So I just want to point that out. Curious decision to then go back to that offense in the final game of the year, and then you saw some of the results. Go ahead, Greg. I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, you know, I think that's the best thing for Mac Jones and the Patriots offense as a whole is Bill O'Brien, and I think he's the leader in the clubhouse. Um, Chad O'Shea. I don't know. I like Chad. I, I don't know. I, I don't think things ended well with him here. Um, I think he was another one of these guys who got sort of sick of what was going on here and let his contract run out. And, uh, you know, he ended up going with Flores. I think that, um, you know, Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury is a, a hot name out there. You know, my thoughts on it are if you bring him in, you're talking about a third, third completely different system in three years with Mac Jones. It's not ideal to me. It's all in shotgun. It's all it's air raid. It's not a pro system. It's a college system. I don't like it. I think you need specific players, um, specifically a mobile quarterback to run that. You know, it, you know, like Kyler Murray. 
and I don't think it fits what the Patriots do. I think the best thing for everybody involved would be Bill O'Brien comes to the Patriots and Kingsbury goes to Alabama to be Saban's uh, offensive coordinator, sort of resuscitate himself, sort of like Sarkeesian did and Bidayball did and O'Brien did. Um, if Kingsbury, I mean, he's got like another like five years left on his contract. He might not just coach for a whole year and then sort of wait for a college head coaching job um, next year. Um, who else did you mention? Was there anybody else you mentioned? Uh, the promotion of uh, Nick Cayley. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he would, Bill would have to do what he did, wouldn't do a year ago, which is step up and give him the offensive coordinator title. I don't know if even know if he's ready for that. I know he's smart. I know a lot of people think highly of him in the building. Is he ready to coordinate an offense? I don't know, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping for everyone involved that it, it's Bill O'Brien because that's the best way forward uh, for everybody. In my opinion, last name that was on the list. And I think he's, he's polarizing for people, Adam Gase. Oh, I like Gase. And I, you know, he, he as an offensive coordinator, he's really good. He, he really is. I mean, he got, before Tannehill got hurt that one year in Miami, um, he had Tannehill playing way better than anybody thought he could. And, um, you know, I, I think he, he has he has some history in the Patriots system. He would know how to make it work for Mac. He's very good with quarterbacks. Um, he's very good at melding systems. He did that with Peyton Manning coming to the Broncos. Um, he would be sort of my uh, second favorite guy after O'Brien because I think and I I know Bill thinks about him a lot he thinks highly of him as an offensive mind and he had to deal with him and and Gase knows how to game plan and call plays he he really does um now is he a head coach no but a lot of people aren't all right we're gonna leave some on the chopping block before we get to this Bills game but I do have to ask you one more question about this coaching staff actually I'll try to sneak into Gerard Mayo he's now a free agent what's the future hold yeah, I'm not optimistic. Um, you know, I think, and, and this could be, if I'm the Crafts, this is a bone of contention with Belichick um, going into that meeting that, um, you know, everybody cries, you know, all the, all the Belichick people cry about, well, what do you want? You know, there's been a brain drain. These coaches left and these front office people left. Le yeah, but they wouldn't have left if Bill gave them titles and paid them like, and, and Mayo's another guy. I, the way I understand it is a year ago, it was discussed the possibility of Mayo and Steve Belichick being co-defensive coordinators. And my understanding is Mayo turned that down because he thought he was doing a bulk of the work um, and not getting the, not getting the respect that, that he should have. Um, he wants to prove himself. He wants to run his own shop. He wants to call his own plays. That ain't going to happen here. Why? Because Steve Belichick is there. And if Bill, if Mayo was given the defense coordinator title, you can call plays, you run the room here, he would stay here. But he's not going to get that because Bill's son is where he's at. And so I think the odds are that Belich uh, that Mayo goes someplace else to be defensive coordinator uh, to prove that, hey, look, I can call plays, I can do all this stuff and set himself up to be a head coach. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think he's blocked by Steve Belichick, and I think that's just wrong. Does that open the door for Matt Patricia to go back on the defensive side? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I hope not. I, I, I would hope that, you know, 
uh, Matt Patricia would more kick upstairs, that sort of thing, be, you know, Bill sort of Ernie Adams, uh, what have you, than uh, on the defensive side. I think the best thing, is, this defensive coaching staff reminds me of when Patricia was defense coordinator, and not a lot of people loved that experience. They might have won titles and stuff like that, but um, not a lot of people loved it. And then all of a sudden he left and Brian Flores became de- defensive coordinator and they were just a different unit. They were a better unit. They were more aggressive. And I think there's people in the building that think the same sort of dynamic could happen if Mayo was just named defensive coordinator instead of Steve Belichick. The Steve Belichick stuff drives me nuts, man. It drives me ever loving crazy. I-, I don't think necessarily he's done a terrible job calling the defense. But Mayo's doing the bulk of the work, the nepotism thing. It's just anyway, uh, before we get to this Bills game that we're going to race through um, and give you our, our thoughts on that. Let's talk about bet online, Greg. Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from the NFL, esports, soccer, golf is back. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at bet online. Bet online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, just to update people, to finalize this, uh, I was 15 and two against the spread this year. Greg was 14 and three against the spread this year. My preseason prediction was nine and eight, I believe, with this team. They obviously finished eight and nine. Greg, what was your preseason prediction? Do you remember? Eight, eight and nine. Yeah, and and pretty much like the if you go back and you read my uh, season preview column, prediction column that I published the day the day of the Dolphins game. Um, I pretty much nailed everything on why, you know, not to pat myself on the back. I'm just stating facts. I mean, you know, from, you know, the decisions made with the offense to their terrible training camp, like, you know, uh, and that their personnel wasn't good enough at the end of the day. And so, uh, yeah, eight and nine and out of the playoffs. Yeah. Look, people can bust our balls and they, and they certainly will. When we get something wrong, they'll, they'll be all, all over you. Oh, I'm surprised you got something wrong. <laughs> So look, you know, we, I like to go back and keep ourselves accountable. We talk about Bill Belichick being accountable. We'll be accountable. If we were wrong, we would tell you how bad we were this year and what we got wrong. Um, but Greg and I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in, in how we break this team down. And I hope that's why people show up to this podcast and listen and watch. And we had a pretty good year, 15 and two, 14 and three. I mean, I think what's that? I can't even do that math wise uh, for me this early in the morning, but it's, it's a really good record combined. And we told you nine and eight, eight and nine. That's what this team was. They're pretty much stuck in the middle of the league. All right. The bills game, Mac Jones, the offense, how'd they finish up, Greg? Uh, so, um, you know, I, th- I thought it was, um, sort of a mixed bag. Um, there, I thought the first half was really, really good. I was really encouraged. Um, I thought the second half was more the same. It was almost like, you know, if you asked me, I would have been like, I think Bill O'Brien was calling the plays in the first half. And then the second half, Matt Patricia went back. They were sort of like trying each other out, trying them out because that's the way it looked. Yeah, I was I was really encouraged by what they were doing, getting understand. There was at one point, Nick, 
and I almost fainted in my chair. Um, I just want to look at this. So there was the their, their first touchdown drive. After they ran on the first round, they went play action, play action, play action, play action, and play action. And so they had four four straight play action passes. I mean, knock me over with a feather. On their second touchdown drive, they started off play action, run, play action, play action. I mean, whoever would have thunk it. And, you know, it looked it looked good. That's how the Patriots need to play. Like, you can play shotgun. What The thought that I had watching this, Nick, was, you know, these thoughts that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge had in their head about, like, this is what we want to do. And, you know, we're going to RPO this. And you hear people talking about RPOs. And I could really crap on RPOs. Like, I think they're, you got to be a certain style of offense to really run RPOs and be good at it. And the Patriots just don't have the pieces. And, and you know, getting in the shotgun, just going shotgun spread, like, you got to be like, the Bengals do it, okay? Yeah, because they have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and tight ends and running backs you can catch. The Patriots don't have jack crap compared to those teams. Like, you know, be real. And so, you know, look, the quarterback is not dynamic. That doesn't mean he can't play good football. They have a good tight end and Hunter Henry. They have good possession receivers. Like you can work with that, but you got to scheme it. And the, the Patriots showed that in the first half. That's how they should have run their offense the whole year. And why like all during training camp, I'm like, what the hell are they doing? And, you know, of course it comes to, to roost in this, in the second half. And I think, you know, you looked at uh, looking at some of the, you know, the, obviously the interceptions, there's going to be a lot made of those, and they should. The way I see the first interception that was thrown to Nelson Aguilar, um, do I think Mac could have thrown a better ball? Do I wish that was Devontae Parker? Yeah. Um, do I think Nelson Aguilar gave great effort? No. And what's interesting is that the touchdown later on to Devontae Parker, the one down the left sideline, that was almost the ex- same identical play. The, the cornerback played it the exact same way. And guess what? Dev- Mac put it in the same spot, and Devontae Parker fought for it and went up and got it and scored a touchdown. Whereas Nelson Aguilar just gets a little bit of contact, and he's just like, uh, and then sort of gives a half effort. Just shows the difference between the two players. Um, I thought the, the Hunter Henry interception, that's an interesting one, Nick. Um a couple of facts on that play. Cole strange gave up a pressure. I think that Mac Mac Jones had to throw it because of the pressure about a, a half a second earlier than he wanted to. It was a half a second before Hunter Henry really got out of his route. I think if Mac Jones had a half a beat, I thought the, I think it's a touchdown. I thought the ball was actually placed in the right place, but it looked worse than it was because Hunter wasn't quite ready for it. And he only got, you know, it was, it was up there. He got one hand on it. If he sees it coming, if he turns around and sees it coming, he goes up strong. It's in a perfect place away from the defense where he catches it, scores a touchdown. And I just think the timing, you know, was a little bit off. Mac could have been a little bit better on the play, but I thought it was just emblematic. The second half was emblematic of the whole offense for the whole season. You had key plays, third down plays where there's three guys in the same area, if not running into each other again, like, you know, you have there's there's a pass that they they want to throw to Jacoby Myers on a third down. 
but Damian Harris is in the flat and brings um, Tremaine Edmonds right into the frame and Edmonds knocks it down. Whereas with a real offensive coordinator, you understand the spacing and what that might do. And you send Damian Harris over the middle, not into the flat. And you just leave Jacoby Myers open to get open on a, on a little return route and convert. It's those little things. Plus the pressure wasn't good in the second half. All those little things contributed to the offense just being a little bit off. But I will say the first half offense loved it. Thought it looked really good. Uh, a lot of the time. Two things. Uh, you mentioned seven play actions in those two touchdown drives. I think they called nine play actions the entire game. So, nine for nine. So, yeah, they were seven. Jones, Jones was nine for nine on play action plays. So you, you call seven play action plays and they help you score two touchdowns. And then you call two play actions the rest of the game. Makes a lot of sense. Um, secondly, I walk away from this season saying to myself, and and you talked about this a little bit last week, Greg, Mac Jones and and Tony Romo talked about this a little bit during the game. And I thought Tony had a bad day, but he he did talk about Mac and you know, what he had seen on film from the passing game and from Mac over the last few weeks. And to me, you know, Mac Jones improved towards the tail end of the season, given all of the crap that was happening around him. And I think yeah, look, there was the on-field stuff, and and I think he's trying to stand up for his teammates, and he's trying to show the world that this Matt Patricia thing is a joke. And he he did go beyond where he needed to go a couple of times. Greg has mentioned the Raiders game, and he would have pulled Mac uh, from that game at halftime. But overall, big picture, I, I think you saw a resilient Mac Jones and somebody who tried to make the best of an awful situation and actually ended the season playing pretty damn well, given the circumstances. So I didn't hear a lot of people on Sunday, you know, tweeting or yelling about Bailey Zappi. That's what I'll say. Um, Defensively, Greg, uh, will the defense ever be able to stop Josh Allen and and quarterbacks like him? There aren't many quarterbacks like him with, with the ability to throw that 65 yard touchdown on like on on flat feet. But can 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 they can they slow those kinds of guys down, those dynamic quarterbacks down? I don't think they can. I mean, unless they unless they continue unless they draft more athletic defensive linemen across the board and 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 you know add athletic linebackers. I mean, I think Bill will look at the stats and he'll like what he sees out of this defense. But at the end of the day, I mean it's you know, it's great against the crappy quarterbacks in this league. And the guys execute, they do a good job. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're just not dynamic enough to defend these these defenses. I mean, you know, Josh Allen makes two, you know, soul-crushing plays. And, you know, while they were mistakes by the Patriots, I mean, they just, they lacked, in my opinion, you know, they need more, they need less guys like Devon Godchow and they need more guys like Christian Barmore. You need, you know, two athletic defensive tackles, you know, Dietrich wise should not be on the field against a dynamic offense. He's fine, but you know, he's, he's not that good. You need, you need a guy like Josh Uche who can play every down that they have confidence in it. You need a more athletic linebacker instead of Jelani Tavai. You need a num- number one cornerback to shut down or, you know, at least, moderately stops Stefan Diggs in games like this. They haven't had that for several years um, running and that frees everybody else up to be a little bit better. But here's the thing, Nick is, 
you know, I don't even think this Bills team is that good. I thought last year's team was better. I don't think they're all that good on defense. Um, I thought against the Patriots, I think some of that was, I think they were a little discombobulated from the whole Hamlin thing all week. And, you know, really, you know, if you, they really, Stefan Diggs is, it's Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen are the offense. Like they, they, Gabe Davis is okay. Dawson Knox is okay. The running game's okay, but they're not, you know, dynamic and wait till the bills address that. They know it. Wait till they, you know, they, they wanted to have like an OBJ type of guy. They're going to go find another guy. They're going to be more dynamic going forward. I know the bills can improve and get better around Josh Allen. I don't know how much better the Patriots can get defensively. They got to find that number one cornerback, Nick, they got to find that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Boundary corner is number one priority for me off season boundary corner and i'm sure we'll go through our list you know down the road here but boundary corner offensive tackles uh interior defensive lineman uh inside linebacker like you said with some athleticism all right let's uh get to the five thousand pound fat ass elephant in the room special teams greg go i mean they're they're atrocious i mean you know if and look i i don't want anybody to be fired um, I, I don't like saying that, but look at the end of the day, your record is what it is. In the last two years, the Patriots have been at least in the bottom half of the league and special teams. I thought that, uh, Peppers was responsible for the first one. Uh, it was just a lack of discipline by a lot of people. Um, I think, uh, there was one of the new guys, his name's escaping me right now was, was on the was on the, the the other kickoff. And, you know, what's funny is like everybody wants to be like, well, the defense was only responsible for X amount of points against the Bills. Y- yeah, but you're you're supposing that if the Bills just took a touchback that they weren't going to score a touchdown. I mean, you, you you don't know that. And if they would have won that game, people would have been like, yeah, Bills just wanted to get the ball back. He just he just said, Bills, go ahead and get your points. And but we're going to we're going to keep the ball and that's how we're going to win this game. Uh, I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. Now I've been on it for 7 months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy kind of has a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. I love how it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The special teams are just atrocious. I mean, the punting was atrocious. Nick Folk looks about 60 years old now. Like, it's time for a whole revamp. 
uh, on that unit, Bill's little baby. I know people say like, oh, it's tough. And, and Greg just said it, you know, to, to, to have people lose their jobs and cam a cord and, you know, look, if you don't deserve your job, you don't deserve your job. If you're not good at your job, then you no longer deserve that job. Cam Acord is not good at his job. He no longer deserves that job. If you can find him another job inside the organization that he could be good at, fine. Go get you know that position filled with Cam Acord. Get him that job. I don't think anybody in the NFL is clamoring for Cam Acord as a coordinator. Um, you can find him a gig if you want to keep him on the staff, but he stinks. He stinks as a special teams coordinator. He stunk last year. He stunk this year. The punters stunk, both of them. I have no idea how you kept just throwing Polardi out there. I feel like they could have signed my brother, and he could have done better punting the football. I don't know how many punts I saw the last three weeks under 40 yards. I wanted to throw my remote control through the window. Uh, it sucked across the board. Suck, 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 suck all the way. Get rid of everybody that's involved in special teams. Burn it down to the ground. Matthew Slater's leaving because he's embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Greg's embarrassed. We're all embarrassed. Get rid of it immediately. Move Joe Judge's special teams coordinator. Get him away from the quarterback's coach job because he stinks at that. Just burn it to the ground, Bill. Burn it to the ground. Let, let Cam A. Cord, I don't know do something. I don't, I don't know what he can do. I, maybe he could be one of those sideline control guys or whatever he's got to do. Get him away from special teams. It's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, three up, three down. Let's start with uh, three up, Greg. Uh, uh, so I, for this, if people want my full three up, three down, because I haven't quite finished the defensive stuff, they're going to need to go over to BSJ and see that. But uh, my ups, uh, Devontae Parker, um, Devonte Parker, Jacoby Myers, and uh, Kendrick Bourne in this game are my ups. My downs: Connor McDermott, Trent Brown, Tyquan Thornton, and I also want to throw Ramondre Stevenson in there because he had he had a drop, he had a fumble that you know, that went out of bounds and he gave up another quarterback hit. Again, he sort of, he had some good plays in this game, but again, I think, I think he was out of gas um, this year. Um, I didn't watch the all 22, obviously, but uh, to me, I'd, I'd probably throw Barmore in there three up. I thought he was pretty good. He flashed yeah. um, three down miles Bryant. And I know he's being asked to do more than he, he should be asked to do, but several plays he's involved in seem to blow up the second kickoff return. My God, that 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 tackle attempt <laughs> fire it into the sun that was hideous miles it was hideous look looked like he was trying to i don't even know try to hug somebody who's running away from him i, I don't know what the hell that was it was brutal and nelson Aguilar, uh again good job good effort buddy he's gone um he looked he looked good at camp great then he can't consistently catch the football or give effort so uh, Nelson, it's been fun. You made a lot of money the last two years, but uh, you got to go, bud. All right, BSJ, member question of the day, bostonsportsjournal.com, $39.99 on the annual plan. You know all about it by now. Uh, what is the uh, question of the day, Greg? So it's just sort of jumping off point, um, something we didn't touch on, but um, our Quain uh, says, and this is a point off my column that I wrote, the Patriots haven't drafted a player who made the Pro Bowl since 2013. Uh, and so basically, I just wanted to, we didn't really touch on it that much, but Bill's comment about how the Patriots have been 27th in cash spending the last yeah. three years, which was an astounding 
comment. And while I don't think it was a shot at the crafts, the crafts hate when that stuff's talked about. And I just wanted to provide my counterpoint if I'm the crafts, which is, well, Bill, first of all, you didn't want to pay Tom Brady. Um, that was your decision. Um, you could have offered him a contract and kept him here and kept winning, but you decided not to do that. So that's on you. You took a dead cap year, basically in 2020, where you didn't want to pay anybody. You wanted to rectify the cap. That was your decision. You made it. And the bigger thing is, look, Bill, if you would draft any young talent that we could extend, we would love to do that. The problem is you haven't drafted any of those guys. You know, I mean, you've had guys like, you know, Malcolm Butler, Jamie Collins, Joe Tooney, Stefan Gilmore, JC Jackson, just some of the guys they could have extended, decided not to. The one guy, the last guy that they gave a big extension to was Shaq Mason, and they traded his ass before the end of the extension. Um, I made the point that the 12, the 12 first or second round draft picks from 2013 to 2018, none of them received a multi-year contract extension from the Patriots. That's where your money goes on, on if you're a functioning team. The Patriots haven't had that. Even in 2012, they gave Dante Hightower an extension, but they traded Chandler Jones before they gave him a contract. Arizona gave him the contract extension. So, like... You know, let's just be real, um, you know, when it when it comes to the Patriots and their finances that um, the, the, the Belichick's not a victim here. He's put himself in this situation for a variety of reasons. It's a fascinating answer, given that he was asked about the 21 free agency period and he yeah. decided to look back over a three year period and give you the average of money spent instead of just answering the question directly, which was, hey, man. How's the 2021 free agency class doing? You know, all the money you spent, you know, John O. Smith and Hunter Henry and those guys, how's that look? And Bill's like, well, you know, I think if you look back at three years, what, huh? Who, why, why'd you go there? <laughs> that wasn't the question, Bill. Why are you moving the goalposts, Adam Jones? Why are you moving those goalposts? Anyway, um, well, if anything breaks, if anything big happens, we will certainly cover it here. Uh, we are always ready. His name is Greg. I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by Athletic Greens and betonline.ag. Till next time, everybody, uh, let's wish. And if you're a religious fella or lady, pray that Matt Patricia is gone by the end of January as offensive coordinator. Till next time, be well. <laughs>